Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining me this evening are uh, two guys who I've recently been acquainted with. Uh, however, we are now actively working together on the forthcoming uh, Deadlands Hellgate trilogy, so I wanted to bring them on to hear a little bit more about Valor Studios, which they have started. So please welcome to Rollin' Bones, James Kurzweil and Anthony Carlson. Guys, welcome to Rollin' Bones. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Very excited to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of what questions you have and uh, to see where our discussions go. Yeah, absolutely. What's absolutely. up, Boneheads? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it's funny. I think you're the first person besides me to actually refer to the audience as boneheads, uh, which I oh. encourage. But <laughs> it's the it's the first well, time anyone else has done that. So so thank you for that. There you go. Just trying to solidify that they are the boneheads and I am their king. Excellent. So what what is what is your title then? Other other than like you have like, you know, Bonehead King or. I mean, like as far as this show goes, I I've not kind of denoted different ranks within my my Legion of Boneheads. I'm working on that as I'm, uh, you know, working on what Patreon would look like for this platform. Uh, but aside from aside from that, my title is just host and founder, and king of the Boneheads. Would you okay. be would you be the the big bone? Is that what they call you the big the big bone? I suppose I suppose. And Elfie <laughs> here in chat, my wife is the uh, the giver of lunch around the house. That's what the cats call oh. me. I dig awesome. that. <laughs> cool. So guys, we are going to kick this thing off the same way that we start every episode of Rolling Bones. I've got questions. Everyone gets asked when they come on. So uh, to start. How did you guys get into RPGs in the first place? Oh, go ahead, James. Sure. Um, so are you talking about Valor Studios specifically or us as individuals? Uh, you guys as individuals. So I I started playing RPGs, uh, specifically D&D, I believe 3.5. Um, back in high school, a bunch of my buddies and I uh, went over to my buddy Chris's house and you know, one day, because I had actually learned about the game from a friend way back in in pre or not preschool in um, elementary school, and he's like, "Hey, check out these books!" And like, it was always really fun, like flipping through the books and checking out like the pictures and reading what what they had in them. And I always wanted to play, but he's like, "Oh no, it's too complicated. I don't want to deal with it." 
Um, so I was like, okay, cool. You have these books. We're not doing anything with them. <laughs> and I ended up finding some copies for pretty cheap. So I, I went and picked them up and I was like, hey, guys, we're, we're going to do this, you know? And we made characters and uh, chaos ensued. It was a very, very fun time. Uh, one of my favorite memories is uh, my buddy Matt was playing uh, a dragonborn known as Nalbar. At least I think that's what his name was at that time. And he, uh, he was like, look, I don't have a shield, but we're going against all these guys. So you know what? This is a wooden door. I'm going to go rip this door <laughs> off and use it as a weapon and a shield. And uh, he scored an at 20 on his check to do so. And he just carried around this big wooden door and he called it his battle door. Uh, and uh, it, it was great. And uh, I've been playing ever since then. There's been stints of time in my life where I'd go like, you know, four years without playing or so, but it always drew me back. I love role playing. It's, I wonder how common that experience of I rip the door off and use that as my shield is in RPGs. Cause I had a friend in one of our games, uh, an NPC had what our D GM described as an unbreakable door. So we had to break down the wall to get through it. Uh, but he said, I want to take the door. And so he rolled a 20 to, like, break the hinges and, and get everything off. Uh, and the door was completely intact because it was, quote-unquote, unbreakable. And I'm pretty sure he used it as, like, a plus-two shield or something like that. That's awesome. Nice. So, uh, Anthony, what about, what about you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I started in 1989. Um, my brother used to work for a company that that kind of took a lot of shipments of, of stuff people were throwing away and they would kind of go through it through it and separate it. Well, I guess there was, I can't remember if it was a toy store or if it wasn't just a, a family that was tossing a ton of things. And they got, he got this big, big box of, uh, of board games. And one of them in there was a completely unopened mint condition, um, you know, red vanilla box. And he brought that home and he was like, Hey, and this is 89. You know, if I would have kept it, that'd be worth who knows how much money right now. Um, but 89 was, hey, I used to play this when I was a kid. Uh, you should try it out. So I took that to my buddy's house, uh, cracked the box open, you know, put the dice together. And uh, the, the rest was history. Uh, we, we played every weekend uh, all the way from, what would that be, like sixth grade all the way until high school. Uh Went in the service, played a couple of, a few games, maybe a few weeks worth of games, if that, in the military. Um, and then when I got out, I got back into it and, you know, eventually uh, turned it into this uh, side hustle we got going on with Valor Studios. Gotcha. Now, now what branch were you in? Because I, I get the feeling that it, the number of role players uh, that you'll, you'll find in any given kind of branch of the military depends on which branch you're in. So, so wh where were you? I was in the army, gotcha. so I was a 19 kilo tanker. So there wasn't a ton. There was in my company, there was five of us that had played, and which, which is kind of funny because four of those five actually I went to basic with. Gotcha. So I was with them from the time I was in all the way till I ETS'd. We all ETS together. Um, but yeah, so four of the five were were buddies of mine that I knew ever since basic, and then one of them was a buddy in the company, and he was actually the DM. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. I've heard Air Force is where you can find the most uh, the most D and D players. So, uh. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I don't know, man. I I think I used to do it. Got got in trouble. Got in big big time trouble with the uh, sergeants. Is 
uh, we were deployed and we used to sleep. We, we just got done doing our deployment. We were back in, back in post and we were turning in the equipment, which means stripping everything down, every tank, every Humvee, every vehicle, every gun, everything, stripping it all down, cleaning it, reassembling it, and putting it back together and turning it in. And uh, it takes about a month and a half, two months to do that. And we're doing that right inside, you know, middle of Kuwait, Camp Doha. And we're sleeping in these large bays, okay? Like typical, like everything you think of the military, everybody's sleeping in a bay. It's just a bunch of cots, you know, a bunch of bunk beds and cots. That's where we were at for two months. Um, And I walked in the door and the, the officers were, when you first walked into the bay, they were off to the side and they were playing a game of Axis and Allies. And I used to play Axis and Allies competitively in high school. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was just watching the game. And then my captain looked at me and she, he goes, uh, Carlson, uh, you, you, got any, you got any tips for me? And I was like, I'm not supposed to talk to you, like, unless it's necessary. I'm like, sure, yeah, <laughs> you want to do He was like, shit your ass down. And so, like, I was his player. And then all of a sudden, all my sergeants started walking in. They're like, what the are you doing, Carlson? Get your yeah. So I got in trouble for that. But then so the captain was like, "No, when I call him, he is going to come play this game with me, and you guys can't say anything about it." So that was something I did often until we left. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. So uh, next up, as far as uh, you know, questions that I ask everyone, and I think I know the answer to this one based on the conversations we've had. Uh, what's your favorite game system that you guys have ever played? Definitely Savage Worlds. Like, hands down, the flexibility of it is astounding. You can play pretty much any genre, you know, you can create any story uh, that I can think of, at least, and and make it work in the system with very minor changes. Um, or adding, it's pretty easy to add mechanics too, um, and they actually have twelve different genres. I want to say of just like worlds that you can explore and play in, and information on what's going on. Like they have a pirate one called Fifty Fathoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's updated for the newest version yet, um, but I mean, just the fact that they have like, if you want to play pirates, there you go. If you want to be in space, they've got the last parsec. If you want to play fantasy, they got Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. If you want to play superheroes, they've got the superheroes compendium. It's it's crazy. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, D and D will always kind of be at the heart of me because that's what I played for. I mean, I played a lot of games. I don't want to list them all, but you know, you you play a lot of games. But for me, I guess since D and D was kind of the beginning, it'll always kind of be close to my heart. But as far as what I would rather play right now, it's Savage Worlds. And in a streaming context, there's not a better system that I've played that for streaming. It's between the exploding dice and like James was saying, the fully customizable characters and NPCs and settings, and how like literally you can just patchwork of these books together to make sure you've got the setting pieces that you need uh, is amazing. Like you just take all these books, you take four or five different books to patchwork from, and all the rules work together to build a perfect setting and character creation. And then the audience obviously loves the exploding dice, so it's, for me, it's the it is the go-to uh, game system for streaming. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love yeah. Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is a uh... It's fantastic. I've, I've, except for one 
uh, instance, which was not Savage Worlds, it was Deadlands Classic, which I'll tell you guys about here in just a little bit. Um, I, I've enjoyed every every time I've gotten to play Savage Worlds. Um, now, going back to those kind of early days where you guys were kind of first starting out role-playing, uh, who were your first characters or your first memorable characters? I never really played... And I, I know I played in a campaign that um, this guy Seth ran in 4E, but I have no clue who I played. It was a very sporadic game. Um, my most memorable character I've ever played, though, would definitely be a Valder Drainin um, from our Savage Worlds of Tears campaign. That was when I really got to step in the role of being a player. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, mine is... Amadox, the House of Than, he was, I mean, okay, we're 10, so this is going to get real tropey, but he was, uh, you know, banished from his, you know, his kingdom was taken over by an evil usurper, basically, and he he was the last son, and to, to make sure that the world knew who the badass usurper was, he kept one son alive, and that was Amadox, and sent him off on his way. And um, he was a warrior and uh, from Vanilla. Um, no, from Advanced. Vanilla Advanced, somewhere around there, maybe both, because it's just been too many years. And he joined up with the group, which was, you know, my buddies from the house. You had Billy, Steve, Chris, Ronnie the Rocker, and, uh, and me. And uh, we were all playing together, and we all met up, and we made the Dragon Clan. And our clan symbol was the Mortal Kombat Dragon uh, logo, nice. and and we all put it, we put that, I'll put that on our armor, and and our whole thing was that they're not the dragons were good. It's just that there were some dragon kings and like dragon gods that we needed to go take care of because they were like manipulating everything, mm-hmm. and so we were like built our characters up to a certain level. Then we were like plane jumping to go take out different dragons, dragon gods in different planes. And it was this whole thing. And we did that for about three years. But yeah, it was Amadox, the house of Than, and also wind shadow of the dark forest. Those were my two, my two main characters that I played for six years as a kid. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in the, the games that you guys have found yourselves in just kind of, you know, over the course of your, your role playing history, have, have you found that you're, kind of in the role of forever GMs, or do you guys get to play a good amount as well? I don't GM anymore. I gave up. I mean, here's the thing, okay? Like, GMing, and and, you, and I don't know how long you've streamed games, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but you're, every GM learns that there is a gigantic difference between streaming a game and sitting back and building a game for your buddies to sit around and have beers and have the couples couples come over and just have a fun Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Massively different worlds, okay? Mm-hmm. So much more goes into the streaming side of it because now you're being held accountable to, you know, people, usually professional people, or people trying to be professional people, uh, trying to adhere to a schedule and a cast call and the audience and a company that's putting it on. So there's a lot, you still have fun, like fun is still at the core of everything, but it is very different because now you have to figure out like what trends are going on and make sure that you're actually giving the audience something they want to watch. What day of the week you should have it on. Yeah, the whole nine yards. So 
the reason why I stepped aside as far as being a GM for the moment, because everybody keeps asking me to be one. They love my characters and they love my brain and they, they like, they want to see me in the seat. And I think a lot of DM, I think all of my DMs want me to be in the seat so that they can hold my butt to the fire as much as I held theirs to the fire, <laughs> um, which is the way it should be. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that, that's the biggest reason is it's just, it, it's so time consuming and I want to focus on, being a player because I've got all this other stuff, school and all these things going on and help build the business and build my brand as a person. It was a lot easier to do that as a player because I could play in your game. I could play in your game. I could play in your game. I could play in four different games a week back then. And I'm building my own personal brand. And all I've got to do is just, just be, I mean, just be the player. There's still a lot of pressure on the players, obviously, um, without locking myself down to being the GM of this game. And that now takes up, all of my time as far as my streaming professional time so but that said i'll be in the gm seat probably around this time next year after i'm done with school and whatnot hmm. gotcha for me um i was pretty much the forever gm and still kind of am um but with valor studios and uh, when we were dice tyrants before that um i i have been able to be a player and that is so nice to just have one character that you can invest your time in and flesh out and actually have like a solid concept for and just really embody what that character is to you and be able to act that out. It's it's definitely um, a lot less pressure um, and it's, it's so much fun, especially like, I mean, I, I get to play with people who have been doing this professionally um, for you know so long so it's not like the role play that you get out of that is very different than the role play that you can get from you know playing with people that only get together you know once every couple months or something like that um and uh it, it's 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 a lot of fun I, I love being a player i also love being a gm i love writing um i love making stories i honestly wish that i spent more time doing that which is actually something i'm trying to work on right now is uh focus more on writing yeah, and that's a very important thing to that a lot of GMs and a lot of newer GMs don't realize is, yeah, you're going to be a better GM the more that you GM, but the secret, I'm telling you, I'm letting the cat out of the box, the secret to being a great GM is to never stop GMing, as I'm hypocritically not GMing right now, but don't stop GMing, but you have to play. If you're mm -hmm. not playing, you're mm -hmm. missing the whole, a whole, I mean, not to make it too generic or cliche, but you're missing a whole side of the table. And there is so much that you learn, like just the atmosphere, the ambience, the preparation as a player, what it is to work in a cooperative storytelling improv environment where you're having to play off the other kids. And the GM does this too, but it's, it's just in a different context. And so if you're a, a GM, newer GM, and you're out there trying to do your thing, or if you're a streaming GM trying to build your brand, get into games. To keep doing your GM thing, don't stop. You gotta own your craft, but you've gotta play. If you're not playing, you're missing a whole side of the game that is only going to make you a better GM. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's something that I run into a lot as someone who often ends up in the GM seat myself. Someone will ask a question about how their class is supposed to play, especially if they're a new player. And unfortunately, a lot of the 
times the answer is, I don't know, I haven't played that class. Uh, which, as yeah. a GM, you, you need to kind of have that arrow in your quiver. You need to have an understanding of every class, and the only way you can get a true understanding of what uh, each character does on the table, in-game, is to have played that character yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something as close to as can. That's <laughs> actually a big thing that ended up becoming um, not really a point of contention, but for me was uh, embarrassing is... You know, I hadn't GM'd for so long, and then, you know, I started this company up, and I was like, we, we should stream. You know, our games are really fun, um, and I want to, you know, share those stories with the world. But when you start getting, when you're a newer GM, but you have players that know the system in and out, that know every spell, uh, it, it can become this point of like, oh, man, I don't, I don't remember what that does. Can you remind me? And um, I feel like... You know, it can be embarrassing to ask that question as a GM because you're expected to know that information, but it's it's very important to kind of take a step back and be like, I can't know all this stuff, you know, and understand that it's just yeah, not, yeah. it's not possible for one person to hold that that whole, you know, toolkit in their pocket like that. And I, I think that if, if there are players at the table that expect that, it can, it, that's, you should, you know, check yourself mm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with just asking the player like, hey, what does that do again? Like, hold on, exactly. even midstream. It's it's <laughs> fun. It's actually it's it's it can be a very awesome fun experience even on stream to be like, "Whoa, what are you doing? Hold on, let me pull this book out and try and figure this, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. crap yeah. out really quick." <laughs> yeah. And you take that you take that couple of minutes, you know, co- cooperatively to kind of work that out. Even the big even the big dogs, the 100-pound gorillas in the room, the you know, critical roles and uh, acquisition incorporated places like that. That's a big moment when Matt steps back and he's like, one second. And he reaches over and he pulls out all these really, all the books. And he's like, oh, all right, well, hell, okay, let's do it. Like, you know, and that's a great moment for everybody at the table, Matt and the audience. uh, And everybody learns and even the audience learns, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Great point, James. Like take the ownership of being the GM. Like we're all players, right? We just have different different responsibilities. So it's okay to, you, you don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. Your job isn't to be God, even though you're God of the game and everybody kind of plays into this, I'm the God of the game. You're not all knowing, all seeing. You're, you, you're another player at the table, just a little bit different responsibility. So it's okay to ask for help yourself too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, both as players and as GMs, how would you guys describe like your your typical play style when when you run a game and when you play a game? When I'm running a game, I like to I, I really like combat as a player and as a GM. I enjoy mm-hmm. combat. I, I think it's very uh, fun to come up with like difficult challenges, mix in different types of monsters or even like different clans and stuff like that, and have them kind of like challenge the players. Um, but I also am a huge fan um, of bringing the character stories to lives to, to life. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and you know, letting them explore that in the narrative. Um, sometimes it can get a little tricky if they have like crazy in-depth backstories. Some people will write you like a ten-page you know story and then be like, "This is my backstory," and you're like, "Oh God." You know, <laughs> yep. I got to figure out a way to fit this in here because I don't want to have had them waste all that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a player, I, I love combat. I, I, I love playing melee characters. I don't know. Being like a, a swordsman has always been something that has appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, even in MMOs, I've sword and board or like 
you know, dual swords or like a ranger or something like that is something I've always, I've always really liked. Definitely. You're muted, Tony. Thank you, sir. Uh, as a GM, uh, 100% character development. The the I, all all I have not all I have because it's pretty intense, but you have a, I have the plot, I have the story, I have the setting, and everything else is character development from that point forward. It's finding out what kind of classes these cats are playing. If you're talking D and D, which is all that I've GM'd except for. Um, uh, Fantasy Flight games and a couple of Star Wars gigs here and there. And I think that's, I mean, you know, Mech War and stuff like that, but that really wasn't GM and GM. That was like just throwing games together. But my campaigns have all been D&D. Um, but finding out what classes people are, finding out what their backstory is, and then developing a point, like, I'm not going to go into full in-depth, but I actually, and I haven't, it's been so long, I haven't done it, but I use, I did use experience points plus milestones um you know in a way milestones with experience points my way is kind of like how i explained it and i would reward people according to what not only what they did in the game as far as making you know accomplishing the goal and doing the combat but also what the character growth was mm -hmm. if you were a cleric what was your backstory like as a cleric were you trying to marry people were you trying to set up your own deal what did you do in the session that appealed to that backstory in that class that you were trying to work on and people would be rewarded experience points according to how that went. Mm -hmm. And um, I would elect, somebody would be a leader, you know, that way and when things, you know, a lot of different things. So everything was developed, was character development. But as a player, uh, it seems like my my niche is the big brother, himbo, uh, half dopey, you know, only, you know, runs in, beats the hell out of people and passes on a word of wisdom about once every three episodes. Uh, kind of character, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that's usually my go-to if I'm streaming something along those lines, or just a very overly complicated caster of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, is kind <laughs> of my two. Million Arkham cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. So. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, James, kind of one of your fondest memories. If you have another one that you want to share, uh, you absolutely can. But we'll start with uh, with Tony on this one. What is your fondest RPG memory? Oh, my fondest RPG memory? Mm -hmm. I'll give you before streaming and after streaming. Before streaming, it was killing Pearl, the black dragon god, with my buddies back in the day uh, when we were kids. That was basically the end of the campaign it was a whole big deal um man it was it was crazy it was it was a big deal big deal for kids you know big big deal um and uh as since since streaming oh man tons of things because it's just another level like you just elevate your game and so does everybody else uh, there was speaking about Maximate Arkencast pulling, pulling. So I carried around this book that was from the ancients. I don't, I don't want to explain the whole thing because it's really in depth. But basically, part of my character is I carried around a book that was a tome for my family. My character class that we developed gets like a magical weapon or like a magical attunement to a weapon. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to figure out how to do this. And then in the middle of a session, I was like. 
uh, I can't remember what I said to James. I was like, just let me do this. I don't know what I said. And I was like, I got this. And now, so what I did is I opened up the book and I, and I, like my character goes to reach in, reach towards the book for no reason. And his hand passes through the book and a portal opens and he reaches deep into the book and he actually pulls out the, the Arkhancast blade, which is the blade of his ancestors mm. that was magically stored in this book. And he finally got to a level where he could, the book, uh, the sword attuned, like called to him and attuned to him to pull it out. Not that he could cast portals, not that he could do pocket dimensions, nothing like that. It was just the magic of the story was that once I got to a certain level, the sword released itself to me, to bond to me. And that was a pretty epic moment because that was really early in our streaming uh, careers. Uh, we were all trying to really find that niche and it, that everybody loved. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. a really great moment. Um, but yeah, there's been plenty since then too. Gotcha. And uh, James, do you have another one that you you want to share, or are you content with the uh, the story of the uh, the shield door? Uh, no, I I do have a, another one um, to make it quick. So uh, before we started stream, I guess no, maybe we were streaming to your old account, uh, Tony, at this time. But it was before we were Dice Tyrants, before Valor Studios. You know, back when we were kind of like the playtest period of all this. And uh, it was, I was doing a, uh, I was running like kind of like an urban um, campaign where everyone was working in Waterdeep. And they were part of this faction that was trying to rid Waterdeep of evil. Mm -hmm. And so it was called the Order of Azaleas. And they start going through and, you know, examining uh, all these things happening. And they end up finding this Mind Flayer um, that was in a... Uh, they're not mind flyer, sorry. A uh, oh god, what are they called? They're the, the brain creatures that that walk around. And uh, intellect devourers. Intellect devourer. Thank you. Uh, intellect devourer. That was like crawling out of this house, and they're like, "Whoa, what the heck is going on?" So they, they ended up killing the intellect devourer and finding uh, out that the person that had created it um, was hiding out somewhere. So they head to this this house, and like the house is empty. There's nothing in this place. And they head over to the kitchen, and there's this door that leads down to the basement. And uh, the door's locked. So they pick the lock, they go down, and they end up finding um, the person who created this, this, like, haggard, um, like, pregnant woman who's got, like, sweaty skin and, like, very pale and looked like she was, like, dug out of a grave. Mm -hmm. And uh, they end up discovering that this, this individual was the wife of the of the uh wizard that had you know resurrected um hmm. this woman and brought her back from the dead and was basically hatching intellect devourers or like birthing intellect devourers from her and uh <laughs> the a, a battle ensued uh the players fought off this creature because they were undead i mean they, they the creature tried to kill them um and uh one of the players died or one of the characters died uh, hmm. during during the combat and uh, Tony was actually playing a, uh, a uh, what was it, a turtle cleric named Unz. And um, he ended up praying to his god, just doing like a regular healing spell. And I was like, look, man, if you can get an 18 or a 20 on this, um, it'll work. Mm -hmm. Even though it wasn't supposed to, I thought it would be really cool to, you know, give them a chance of bringing this character back. And everyone was on the edge of their seats, like tilting forward, super intense. And the the player, the player uh, whose character died, uh, the character's name was Hyraith, um, and she, I think she was a paladin. Uh, she was, mm -hmm. you know, dead on the ground, you know, bleeding out, blood blood pooling around her. 
and Uns takes his hands and like puts it over the wound and prays to his goddess. And we see this like sea green light kind of splash down on the body as he's casting this spell. And I describe how her character is revived and she got super quiet. Like, I, I don't know if she like disconnected from the call or whatever happened, but she got super quiet and we're like, and we're all celebrating. And um, she was like crying. Oh, and yeah. and did not expect yeah. this to happen. And I, I rolled a twenty, by the way. Yeah, he mm -hmm. rolled I rolled a twenty. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I and rolled she a twenty, by the way. Like to her core, this player, who is you know whose character just fell and is now resurrected, was so shook by the experience. You could hear it in her voice, and she's like, "I I can't believe that happened. I I, I didn't think that was even yeah. possible." And it was it was. If for me as GM, like that's one of those those pristine moments that I will never forget because it felt so good to mm -hmm. to have allowed that to happen, even though mechanically it's not supposed to. Right. And that like it it, it was amazing. That the energy in the yeah. room was was great. And the fact that Fantasy Ground, I rolled because it was we were using Fantasy Ground. It wasn't we weren't rolling our own, and I rolled that, and I was like. Is that no? I rolled a nineteen. It was yeah. a nineteen or twenty. You said, and yeah. I rolled a nineteen, and I was like, "James, does that say a 19? And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, you know what? It was. It was good. It was a good moment. That was a good one, James." Absolutely, and I will say, uh, what, okay, what was that turtle's name again? It was was Oonts. Oonts. Yeah, Oonts. That that is yeah. a great turtle. It is name. The, yeah, it was Uns, and he was from the uh, Turtles, and he worshipped the, the the sea goddess, and he was the cook on the Maiden's Rage, and and also he was he did uh, he helped patch people up, and he had his crossbow made of driftwood, and yeah, he was this whole thing that the I whole thing was going. And on. your reef axe, <laughs> I loved the reef axe. Yeah, that. and my 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 axe was made of reef, and I had bandolier around <laughs> me to help me help help me help people. That that is my uh, my second favorite turtle name that I've heard of all time. The first favorite uh, comes from my friend Austin. Uh, he played a turtle cleric named Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. But over the course of the campaign, Great actually died. And so, oh. at a certain point, uh, they just kind of memorialized the character of Great, when anytime someone would say, oh, that's Great, or Great, or any kind of reaction, immediately someone at the table would go, Great's dead. No. Oh, so it just became <laughs> it just became a thing for them. They're like, no, Great's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I love I love turtles, man. I love their the, the story of the culture. It's it was fun. He was a fun character to build. I might bring him back sometime. Gotcha. Cool. So last of these kind of introductory questions here, um, and this one, the answer to this can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Um, but if you guys could put anything on a t-shirt besides the Valor Studios logo, what would it be? Mm. Uh, the secret to life is to learn and to teach, but it would be the secret to life is dot, 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 and now back to learn and to teach. Gotcha. That's nice. Hmm. Honestly, if I could put anything on a shirt, it would probably be like an image of Earth 
um, but on fire and just basically say, hey, we got to save it somehow. And uh, maybe like, you know, some kind of hose putting out the flames or something, because, you know, I, I really believe in taking care of the planet and, you know, making sure that everything is kosher because it's the only one we got right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that that's just that needs to be uh, a message that we need to bring forward. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So uh, that's it for the introductory questions. And real quick here in chat, I want to say hi to Todd Moonbounce, who has joined us. Uh, up, Todd? One of our hey, fellow good. cast members. It's Todd. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you, that you could join us. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to kind of the very beginning of your streaming careers, how did you guys end up meeting each other, and how did your uh, how did your streaming uh, start? You want to take this one? Or you want me to take it? <laughs> uh, I, I usually tell the story. You tell the story. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So, so um, to to give you an idea, um, I was playing TTRPG uh, many before I even met Tony uh, with a, with a group of individuals, and we tried streaming it, and and I really liked it. But I was going to college at the time for IT and i didn't have the time mm -hmm. and so i canceled it i i stopped it as hey i don't have the time and tabled it for four or five years something like that mm -hmm. like quite a while and then um suddenly out of nowhere i was like man i want to play more ttrpg i missed that like i hadn't played it for forever and i ended up making a uh, a post on somewhere i think it was the fantasy grounds forum uh, I can't remember. It was, I can't remember where it was. It was either that or Roll Twenty. I I cannot remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I think it was Roll Twenty. I think we started Roll Twenty, and I made a I made a post on there. Hey, looking to get some people together. Looking to you know get a community started. Blah blah blah. And uh, that's where I met Tony. I met Kai, um, and then uh, Maskane in our Discord, and then I met um, uh, Sarah that Sarah, yeah and yeah. Uh, a couple other individuals and uh wonderful people wonderful people at least the ones that are still around and we we started playing games together and you know hanging out talking played games like once or twice a week and you know tony and i uh, started our friendship by like this is pretty good this is this is this is good stuff i think people might want to watch this and we were like how we make? How are we gonna make that happen? What What do we got to do? Yeah. And so we yeah. we started off. We had funny thing. Uh, Ryan is we use the same overlay that you're using, and as soon as I saw that, <laughs> uh, it really brought me back. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. With the the Crusader overlay, it's a great overlay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so we uh, we set up the overlay. We got that all taken care of, and we we started we started streaming, and it was horrible. It was we it was bad. It was bad. We had people. <laughs> it was so bad. Stream. <laughs> people burping yeah. and farting and you know yeah it was and horrible it was so the bad video was bad is, our audio was audio junk. was garbage is this where the <laughs> uh the someone eating a plate of spaghetti on stream yeah. happened was that in the early days yeah yeah yes. no homeboy look homeboy shows up twice first time he shows up dude shows up with a plate of macaroni with his shirt oh, off yeah. and, a, um, <laughs> and about six oh, hot dogs and i ain't judging <laughs> like i'm an eater like i'm a big dude like i mm. eat but man this dude showed up with his shirt off eating a whole 
like bowl of mac, like a bowl of macaroni and like six hot dogs and home dude's just oh chilling God. with his socks off or his socks off and I think he was wearing his underwear. I can't remember. <laughs> but dude was just chilling. Like we were we went live, we had no idea. He just comes in, sits down, he's got this food and all these hot dogs, and we're like, cut, cut! <laughs> Shut off the cameras! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was so bad. Oh god, I didn't realize my Papa Ronnie had a streaming career. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. Oh, it, and uh, dude, honestly, like we we it, so the hard thing is is when you're when you're streaming TTRPG, mm-hmm. everyone has to be bought into what you're doing. Oh yeah, like and it yes. took us a while to to really realize. The difference between, and, and I'm not saying one way is wrong or the other way is right, but there is a big difference between wanting to stream playing games with your friends and wanting to put on a TTRPG production. Those yeah. are two completely right. different sides. Completely of the different point. worlds. No side is yeah. right. You know, if you just want to stream right. yourselves playing games with your friends, that's totally cool. Do that. If yeah. you have fun with it, hopefully you're successful. Like, I hope so. That's great. Yeah. Wish you all the but luck the of the world. Yeah, and the other side of it is like putting on professional productions and doing what you can to do that. But that also is very expensive. Like, I mean, a, a lot. Of, I feel like people think it's not as expensive as you think it is. But when you're paying for the artwork, when you're paying for the music, oh, when yeah. you're paying for, you know, hosting and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, it adds up really quick. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it's wild. And you don't make a lot of money at it. That's another thing. I, uh, even us going into it, man, when we went live the first time, we we're like, we're going to have like 50 people in here. This is going to be awesome. And like, we were all super excited. <laughs> we had five, which was James, Tony, Sarah, <laughs> and, I, and the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we're it's, like, uh, oh, shit. And it was, yeah. Oh, man. And it was that way for a while. Mm-hmm. For a long while. We, it took a long time for us. At least it felt like a long time to like start to crest and starting to build that cycle up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was an adventure. Like, cause nowadays there's all these, like, cause this was in two, 18, 19, 18 or 19 18 that we started. 19, yeah. yeah. Um, and there were, yeah, there were some things going on as far as videos, but the amount of, the amount of people who are streaming, who are streaming TTRPGs now compared to back then are, it's way more galactically different. Oh yeah. yeah. Like as, as soon as critical role took off, I think it's mostly because of critical role. I would agree. Took off and Hasbro Hasbro, like, you know, they made $2 billion off D and D last year or whatever it was. But as soon as critical role, and especially when critical role hit that 11.5 mil to get the cartoon going and then got picked up by Amazon, I think everyone in their cat wanted to stream TTRPGs now. And you got the, all these actors, you know, C grade, B grade actors all open up their own streaming companies now. And mm-hmm. all of this stuff started flooding in a bunch of people coming in from, you know, theater backgrounds or just trying to get something on the Internet. So for their portfolio. Um, so like, but back then we didn't have any of these videos, these like how to videos or mm. this is what lighting is. This is what this is what building layouts is for. They were, they were there, but it was mm-hmm. like it just wasn't the same. Now you go in and you've got. A thousand videos for just talking about what camera to use. You know what yep. I mean? Mm-hmm. And a big, big shout out to Harris Heller. Seriously, an yes, Alpha Gaming channel dude. and Senpai Records. Yeah. Holy crap! Like if you, if anyone is looking for equipment, like just 
anything lighting equipment how to run twitch like all that stuff harris heller is baller he is awesome super cool dude yeah very chill yeah yep absolutely i i haven't watched any of harris's content i I definitely need to check that out though uh because a lot of when i first set this up when i first started streaming rolling bones um it was very much trial and error and very much uh me me figuring out you know what works what doesn't work uh, you know, overlays was a big thing. I streamed without overlays for the longest time, and it looked terrible. Um, so I I feel like we've kind of hit a stride here on Rolling Bones. Uh, I feel like we're we're primed for some growth. But yeah, it is uh, for for anyone out there who's thinking about their own stream, their own actual play, any of that. Uh, it's it's a struggle. You you will. Uh, you will run into several brick walls that you'll have to smash through or climb over. <laughs> so I actually, if you don't mind me butting in, I think that this is this is an important thing to for everyone that's looking to specifically TTRPG streaming. Mm. Um, is to keep in mind is that there are so many people that are doing TTRPG streaming. So many that have their own groups. And when you... Yeah, even I, I wish I would have thought about this before doing what I've done, because honestly, it would have been easier um, had I followed the advice that James now is, you know, should have told James from five years ago is you've got to look at how many other groups are doing what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and really think about how much competition that is, because on Twitch, like especially Dungeons and Dragons, like if you're going to stream D&D and you're a brand new IP, I guess, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, it's going to take a long time to, to get going. So is it, and I'm not trying to dissuade you either, Ryan, because this is a great talk show. I love it. Thanks. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's very important to think, do I want to do this because I want to have something that's my own, which is completely valid. And that's a, a reason in and of itself to do it. Mm-hmm. But, or is it, do I want to, GM and I want to tell stories with my friends because you can always reach out to someone who's already established and pitch them a show and you know maybe they like with Valor Studios like if you Ryan or or some even someone we haven't worked with yet you know wrote up a PDF of like hey this is my show idea you know I don't really have a whole lot of cast members I don't really know what I'm doing but it was a great pitch we would totally talk to those people and be like, yeah, yeah. let's see what we can do. Yeah. And that's something that I, I feel like um, isn't something a lot of people do yet. And I think that that's a, a great idea to get your feet wet in the streaming sphere with and, and getting an idea of what you'd be getting into mm-hmm. um, p- before starting. Because I wish I would have done that. Yeah, I really yeah. wish I would have done that before starting uh, DT and now Valor Studios because mm-hmm. I would have progressed so much faster. And, and DT and, and Valor Studios would have progressed so much faster because of that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, I don't mean to take up all the screen time now. Oh, no. No, all good. <laughs> and, and what I'm... For anyone who doesn't realize this, uh, what I'm doing with Night Haven, uh, which is the... That's my first time running a, uh, an RPG on stream. Uh, I've never, I've never done a, I've never GM'd a streaming RPG before Nighthaven. Uh, so that's very much me kind of dipping my toe into if I were to run 
uh, like actual play content, what would it look like? It's also me testing Night Haven for eventual release because that is going to be a setting book that I put out at some point. Uh, Shades of Grey will be an adventure that I publish at some point. Uh, so, yeah, that that's what Night Haven is. But that's one thing that I'm super excited with working uh, with you guys on is seeing how someone who has kind of, you know, made the mistakes, learned from them, and, you know, created something uh, that people enjoy, something that's growing, something that's, you know, got production value behind it, seeing what you guys do, how you run your streams, uh, that's going to be one of my big takeaways from doing uh, Hellgate Trilogy with you guys. That and actually getting to play Deadlands. Hell yeah, man. That's... You're doing exactly what yeah. I just talked about, which mm -hmm. is getting yeah. getting in with, you know, you're doing your own thing. Yeah. And, but you're also working with other people that have been doing this for a while now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, swap ideas. I, I'm totally cool with talking to you about any tech issues you've been having or if you have, you know, stuff that you want to throw around. I'm sure Todd uh, Moonbounce in, in chat, too, uh, would be willing to have those discussions as well because mm -hmm. he's been doing this for a while. And it's that's the thing is, like, there, there's so much potential um, in people working together, creating that unification, that unity between TTRPG groups mm. and building something that would be better than if everyone was separate, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially with, like, a stream team yeah. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... I mean, I'm all about kind of, you know, building connections and, and kind of, you know, building a network of people. Because I've noticed on the uh, publishing side, uh, I, I'm good friends with uh, Levi Combs from Planet X Games, Skeeter Green from uh, Skeeter Green Productions. Those guys have all, they have this like uh, kind of gang of OSR uh, publishers that they all they all work with each other and promote each other's stuff and they they're a super super tight group and I see that and I'm like I want to do that uh but I want to do that with streams and so that's why uh you know like gamertarians are part of my uh part of my Nighthaven stream is I I want to kind of loop them in uh that and they're great dudes uh but working with you guys and kind of you know connecting Rolling Bo Rolling Bones and Valor Studios uh, you know, connecting with Todd and what he's got going on. Uh, all of us kind of, you know, being friends, putting out content that's related to each other and really, uh, you know, growing together, growing alongside each other. That, if that ends up happening, then I, mission accomplished, in my opinion. That's That would be a great uh, result of everyone kind of coming together on this. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the one of the reasons I want to drive towards partner, is mm -hmm. once you get Twitch partner, not only do you get the seventy thirty split, which is which is great, but you can start making those stream teams. Oh yeah, and we can start kind of networking together and working, you know, working on all that stuff, um, which is which is awesome, you mm -hmm. know. That create and it creates more of a community. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now you are, uh, Ryan. You have the right frame of mind, my friend. Most people don't aren't that forward thinking trust us most people are not that forward thinking and that's exactly how this that's how this industry works because that's what it is it's turning into an industry mm -hmm. um 
is it's all about what you do make games your way because that's why people tune in is because they want to see games your way yep but you've got to network with other people who are doing the same thing and all support each other if you don't have that you're gonna uh, aside from sheer dumb luck which is a part of success it is a part of success is mm -hmm. just luck but aside from a massive luck dump uh happening to you you're gonna struggle so uh yeah brother you're you're on the right path you got the right frame of mind awesome so earlier you guys mentioned that uh savage worlds is one of the best streaming rpgs that you've ever run uh elaborate on that a little bit because you know i love savage worlds never tried to stream it though uh, so what is it about Savage Worlds that makes it so great for a visual medium like streaming? Um, I, I'm, my, I've got three things in Savage Worlds, honestly. The exploding dice is such an amazing way to mm. get the audience and the players pumped. You know, uh, Foundry does an amazing job of their dice system, especially with the Dice So Nice module. And being able to have all the players have their own custom colored dice that look super dope uh, oh, yeah. and have them explode when they make rolls and like pop on the screen and have effects happen and everything. That is that is icing on that cake. That is salt base sprinkling the salt on those dice. It's mm -hmm. it's amazing. And that's and I know that's more foundry than it is like on the visual aspect than it is Savage Worlds, but the exploding dice of Savage Worlds is even my players like i, I was telling the guys um tony and uh ryan here i I'm, i do a uh, sci-fi um kind of like space exploration uh game using savage worlds and this is my players first time ever using savage worlds they're like this is so cool they, they love it <laughs> um and uh the exploding dice and then the the deadliness of combat one thing that um this is my biggest critique critique of DD, and this could actually be just my lack of experience with the system because um, i have only played it for like you know two two and a half years or gm did i should say i didn't really play it um is the how easy it is to survive oh yeah in, in D D, and with savage worlds any old dude with a pistol could uh shoot a lightning wielding superhero in the head and nearly kill them or mm -hmm. pretty much kill them um, and that's one thing that I think adds to the tension and the um, the the intrigue when it does come to combat, because it's more high stakes. Mm. And then I think the rules, the rules just make it pretty easy. Um, you know, they have easy references, all that kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah. Yep. And not to cut you off, Tony, but just one point on the exploding dice. Uh, I noticed this when I ran uh, Deadlands at North Texas RPG Con. Uh, and it was a group of people who mostly had not played Savage Worlds before. Uh, the exploding dice at a table setting, uh, in a convention, and I think it's going to be especially this way on a stream. When your dice explode, especially if they keep exploding, that, that pop from the crowd you get with a natural 20, uh, imagine that but continuous. Yeah. And, and yeah. we had a microcosm mm -hmm. of that last week when we were just doing uh, like a mock combat session to, to kind of learn foundry uh when dice would continuously explode it was uh like everyone was was popping for it it was great so i can't mm -hmm. imagine what the reaction from the audience is going to be like when we take this thing on like live and dice are exploding oh, yeah. left and right that yeah i'm yeah. excited for that 
Mm-hmm. We got like yeah, we got absolutely. like nine nine days, I think. I oh think yeah, it's nine days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with me, uh, if, if wait, do we have time for me to answer this question? Yeah, absolutely. Or you're out of time. Okay. Um. Uh. So like with me, why I like Savage Worlds, and I, you know. I pretty much gave Savage Worlds the moniker of the greatest streaming system. I started that. No, just kidding. I I like to flatter myself. Um, No, but the reason why I do, it is exploding dice. But with D&D, with D&D, the biggest problem I had with D&D, and I am a D&D guy, okay, was, especially with 5e, how long combat goes. And... When you're streaming, like people, again, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize this, and we didn't realize it at the time, um, <clears throat> but we caught on quick, was you need to kind of block your show. You need to know how long things are going to take. Because you've got three to four hours, two to four hours, whatever it is that you're doing, and you've got to fit a session in that time frame that is something that's digestible and, and identifiable by the audience. So you've got audience members. We even have taken polls and asked people like this is the whole thing. And literally, basically, half the people, in my impression, my experience, my opinion, half the people who play D&D love RP, half the people who play D&D and watch D&D love combat, mm-hmm. and then everybody just kind of likes both. But genuinely, you have to appeal to both sides. Oh, yeah. You, if it's all combat, you're going to alienate your IP people. If it's all RP, you're going to alienate your combat people, even though everybody kind of likes all of it, you know. But yeah. there is some nuance to the, to the philosophy. And with D&D, it was like there was no real way to plan out or block out, okay, we're going to run this combat for an hour, like as a DM. Like James, the DM, he's thinking, how do I plan this? Okay, I want combat for 30 minutes or an hour, and that's it. You can't do that with 5e. 5e you could be in combat for two hours depending on what's going on and the amount of hills that are going on and whether or not spill spells are landing and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and so it made it super hard to plan out a show that wasn't either going over or you were never getting to the plot points it was just dragging out you know um but with savage worlds it's a little bit different because savage worlds works so much faster that not that you can like script out or completely block out, okay, hour one, we're doing this, hour two, we're doing this, hour three. I wish it was that. The, the, the magic to the system is being able to figure that out. And then you've reached the pinnacle of streaming TTRPGs because now you can proactively make like a TV show rather than just people playing a game. But with Savage Worlds, you get a lot closer to that because you, the combat doesn't take that long. And GMs need to remember this. Not more people harder people to put down that's the magic to savage worlds yes tips yes but it's not it's not about throwing out 10 enemies you gotta fight because that's just going to turn you into D D. yeah that's like gonna, three ooh, two that makes yeah, so much longer and any yeah make make three or four people that are you know wild cards maybe one or two wild cards and make them harder to put down is going to be a much better experience because you're actually rolling through the combat faster. And so the combat was what draw, drew me in to Savage Worlds the most because to me as a player in a GM, combat is a speed bump to the plot. Hmm. That's all combat is to me. It's not that big of a deal. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but it is the speed bump to capsulate the plot points or to kind of move the plot point along. Hmm. It is not... 
the crescendo. The crescendo is whatever the character create character um, uh, changes are. The conflict of the internal characters is what's more important. But and so that's why I recommend Savage Worlds because you can build it in a way and build your combat and build your shows a little easier with Savage Worlds, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. If we're just doing Savage Worlds of D&D. If there's another system that's out there that does the same thing, tweet me. At, at Bart Dice Barbarian on Twitter. Tweet me and let me know because that's the magic sauce that we're all trying to figure out is how to make these shows more shows. Mm-hmm. You know? And the other thing with, with the whole wild cards and things, you don't have to make those enemies wild cards if you want to make them more difficult. Just don't have them only have a one wound threshold. You know, once they get a wound, they're down. Yeah. You know, give them, yeah, give them two wounds James. or <laughs> three wounds, yeah. but don't make them a wild card. Or, you know, you can up their stats, all that kind of stuff. Like harder to kill, I think, is yep. something that, that you can tag on there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. less people that are harder to kill, not 15, especially if you're using a VTT. Because oh, God, that yeah. GM oh, that literally driver. has Ooh. to regulate every single oh, yeah. one of those. And so the players are just sitting there. And he's like, okay, this character <laughs> is doing this. Okay, this one's doing that. And I've okay, done this that. One's... I've been that GM. And yeah. it, it sucks up so much time. Oh, yeah. Messing and with the layers the audience and is suffering yeah. the most. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the audience is suffering the most because the audience isn't even playing. They're just like, what are you guys doing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Some, and Savage Worlds allows you to do that, I think, better than any system that I've played. Just my personal opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and one system that I think will be kind of interesting, I've not seen anyone try it. I'm sure someone is doing this out there. Uh, but I think Dungeon Crawl and Mutant Crawl Classics will end up being good uh, systems where combat speedy, uh, things aren't as uh, kind of hit-spongy, and everything's a lot more simplified, so the action will will kind of be faster in uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics and Mutant Crawl Classics than it is in, in 5th edition D&D. Because uh, I totally get that. Uh, I, that's why I focus more on DCC and uh, Savage Worlds. Well, one, the community is fantastic for both. Uh, but mm-hmm. those systems are more interesting to me because... In 5e, when you get to combat, which a lot of characters are built around, you know, you know, I'm built around being great in combat, that can be a bit of a slog to get through. And part of it is what Todd's mentioning in chat here, um, role-playing in combat makes combat a lot more than just this is where we, you know, do our, our math problems. Yes, which... I love role-playing in combat. Yeah, especially as a caster. That's my favorite thing as a caster is to RP my spells and my casting. Yeah, there. for anyone who hasn't seen it, Professor Dungeon Master did a great video on describing combat and narrating combat. And basically what he says is read Robert E. Howard for how to describe what you're doing to someone else when you're attacking them. Uh, and I guess for uh, the context of Deadlands, which we'll be playing in... Uh, I imagine Louis L'Amour probably has some great descriptions of uh, of Western combat. Uh, you can definitely see yeah. great descriptions of Western combat in Western movies. And Westerns have this iconography around combat within the setting. There's, there's you know, the standoff at high noon, uh, fanning the hammer, uh, like the, the rifleman thing with the lever-action rifle where you're... Uh, you know, rapidly 
shooting and rechambering rounds. There's so much visual understanding of what Western combat is supposed to look like that I think role-playing in combat uh, for us is going to be a lot easier than maybe it is for people who don't necessarily know what sword combat would actually look like in their heads, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Would be fun. Absolutely. So, uh, while we're, you know, kind of getting towards the end of our time here, uh, there's a lot that you guys have coming up beyond even Hellgate Trilogy. Uh, anything that you guys want to talk about as far as where Valor Studios is going uh, in the immediate future, I definitely want to give you guys the opportunity to discuss uh, that. Yeah, um, I would say for Valor Studios, our biggest thing right now is um, we've got Deadlands, the Hellgate trilogy, starting on September 1st at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, that'll be at twitch.tv forward slash Valor Studios. Um, and the the big thing that we're kind of working on right now is deciding what our next big project is going to be. We have a lot of ideas, a lot of creative minds that are all kind of working together, trying to figure out, you know, okay, we've got Deadlands, you know, Ascended Season 1 is getting ready to wrap up. Um, I'm actually realizing um, a little bit that I might want to move back to, like, something fantasy and not do sci-fi as much. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I haven't made a hard decision on that. But right now, it's really just, you know, what's the next big thing? Um, we have lots of ideas, and uh, we're very, very excited to, like, get those details solidified and, uh, you know, birth something awesome into this world. Mm-hmm. Something that yeah. might be... Um, I would... oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, just, just an interesting idea, because Pinnacle's got the uh, super-powered compendium... Uh, that's kind of like next on deck for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a superhero game in Savage Worlds would be interesting because I don't know how many people are streaming superhero games right now. Well, we actually are on Sunday. We, we are. Uh, yeah, we yes. actually, we are running a our yeah. our, our uh, show called The Ascended mm-hmm. is actually a uh, cyberpunk using Interface Zero Two gotcha. superheroes show. Uh, using Superhero Compendium 2.0. The only hard part is is that they're both not built for Suede. Yep. Um, and we're using Suede, uh, which is, is coming with some issues, but not a lot. And uh, and that's been that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of want to wanna go back to my fantasy roots here. But we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good when 3.0 for Interface Zero comes out and when they put out the uh, 3.0 Super Power Compendium yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, because all of those. Yeah, there's a lot of changes. And oh man, yeah, we we um, we know things about those <laughs> coming out. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of changes, and they're good. Mm-hmm. They're they're the right changes that need to be made. Um, but yeah, so I echo uh, what James is saying. Uh, the next big thing for us is finding out what the next big thing for us is. I know that's stupid for saying but that's literally what it is because you, you can't do it. it's you got to make a game your way but at the same time there is something to be said about giving the audience something they're familiar to mm-hmm. um be a trailblazer do your thing but if you're a multi show platform like we are you have the advantage of having orthodox traditional things 
but at the same time branching out a little bit and start to put the feelers out there. Um, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out what is, like James just said, what the next big thing is, but also sticking to our orthodox way of doing things um, so that we can give our audience what it's used to while also making things attractive for all those out there who are just finding us. And that is an algorithm to, uh, to this whole thing that is, it's tough, especially when you're only, I mean, this is a part-time gig for us, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to graduate school and, and, I, and I'm a full-time single father and I've got a full-time job as a project manager mm-hmm. and other, 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 <laughs> other projects going on uh, with other entities that have nothing to do with tabletop RPG and stuff like that. It's, it's tough, you know, but, you know, having, uh, surrounding your peop- yourself with people who are like-minded, who buy into what you're doing. And again, buy into what you're doing, what your, philo- yeah, your philosophy is, is extremely important because, uh, you can put people in play who are your friends, I guess, uh, who are people you work with and play with. But if they're not there because they want to be with you and what your plan is, it's just going to be another person at the table that's probably going to be replaced because they're not in it for the long haul, or they're just a fair weather. They're just a fair weather associate, which is fine too. Like you know what I'm saying, but. You've got to be cognitive of what you're doing and surround yourself with people who are going to help you find that next thing. And I think that James and I are are definitely on that right path. But whatever it is, it's you'll find about about it soon. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very soon. (laughs) Now, I, I just have to ask out of curiosity, have you guys talked to Carl Kiesler about... Uh, running something on on your channel? Not currently. <laughs> I know that Candice in the cast, um, yeah. I had reached out to her and said, hey, you know, but what do you think about some other people? And um, she did bring their name up, so mm-hmm. I might actually reach out to them and, and see, you know, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. Want to come work with yeah. us? And uh, because, you know, it, that's the big thing. It's really nice because we haven't brought in new cast members for a long time. Mm-hmm. A long time. Yeah. Um, and it, that's one of the things that we were really happy about with Cheyenne is he was like, yeah, yeah, bring in new people. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why we uh, we brought in the four of y'all that are going to be in the Deadlands game. And it's so nice to meet new people because it's new connections. And mm-hmm. you meet other people through those new people, which then become new connections. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and that and that's also it's a very hard thing to do too because if people already have a platform that they're that they run, yes. like for yourself, Ryan, for yourself, like you as a content creator, right? Mm-hmm. You are going. You have a new game. Yep. If you're going to put that game on, if you're going to plan the campaign, you're going to build the cast, you're going to do the whole thing. You might have to invest money to get it rolling. Why would you put that on Valor Studios' channel instead of your own? The simple answer is, if Valor Studios has a larger audience, you can appeal to that. But then you're just poaching audience, right? Yep. You're not, and you're making money for us, not yourself. And so that philosophy goes into like trying to get other DMs, especially DMs, to come over because most DMs are also the owners of the platform. It's yep. Yep. like it's just the way it is. Like mm-hmm. most DMs are the owners of the platform. So it's very hard to try and convince someone to leave their homegrown grassroots 
platform that they're making money off of or potentially make money off of to come to us and make a little bit of money, a little, you know, make some money off of it instead of all of the money off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not all about money. It's about playing and having fun. But when there is a business here, right? Like, let's be honest. There is a business to this to this whole thing, and that is a very hard thing. And people are, and you're you're going to learn that a lot of people who are starting out, not you, but people out there who are starting, it's not easy to convince people to leave their platform. Like James, what are the chances that you would leave your platform to go do another game, another platform? It would very have to be. Small. I mean, if it was a one shot yeah. or something like that, that's a different story. Yeah. But if someone said, "Hey, I need you to run twelve episodes for us," <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh man, I." The, they better have an audience. The amount of money better be good, and there better be an audience there in the hundreds, if not multiple hundreds, if not thousands, mm-hmm. to get someone to to to, to transport like over. Because all of that content that you created is now on my channel. Yeah, you can link it through YouTube and da 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 da. But that's sitting on my channel because I produced it. So that's my in perpetuity going to run that, you know? So there is a business side to it, trying to get people over, but I would love to have the guy come over. He seems like a really nice guy and, oh, yeah. and Candace loves him. So, you know, I mean, hell, the more people, the merrier, you know what I mean? Yeah. Car- mm-hmm. The the great thing about Carl one, he, he worked on Savage worlds like Cheyenne. Uh, so he's very familiar with the setting. Uh, he's done some great stuff. He has, uh, He's done a lot of really cool visual stuff for his convention games, so I think uh, his style would translate well to the VTT. I haven't talked to him about uh, how he makes use of VTT, but I I imagine he's probably doing pretty well with it. Candace would probably know more about that than I do. Um, But he also... Like, if you got him to run Trailer Park Shark Attack on uh on valor studios i think that would go over pretty well (laughs) that's his ip um and it's fantastic and he does have he has the wild die podcast but it's it's more similar to my format where it's him and a couple guys talking about savage worlds uh not so much running so i i do think uh if he's interested carl would be a great uh kind of addition to the Valor Studios uh, lineup of, of GMs. Again, if that's yeah. something that he has the time and energy oh, hell yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, if we, I'll yeah. hook you up, and we'll see what happens. And <laughs> yeah, yeah is, we can make that. Let's get that ball rolling. <laughs> we, yeah, we can get that ball rolling. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And then if you guys... I. I Again, this this would be a major time thing. If you could get like Shane to run a game on your channel, I think that, that would, would do well. That would be pretty crazy. Well. <laughs> that would. Be I would absolutely sweet. do that. Yeah, yeah, that would be that, that would be, be super cool. That that might be uh, that might be Valor Studios twenty twenty two kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, because you can only, I mean, if we're talking business, you can only milk the Cheyenne contact so long before Cheyenne's like, look, guys, I'm here to run games. I'm not here to turn you into, you know, yeah. pinnacle entertainment streaming. So, like, um, but yeah, dude, I would love to have, I would, at least, even if it's just one shots, because yeah. I would like to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Like, not only get to know them as people, but get to know them as players or GMs, whatever role they decide to take on, because that's when you really get to know somebody, yeah. is doing that stuff. Once and, a nice uh, role, you get yeah. to know people really well. Maybe we can end up like in 2022 sometime, get everybody over there to do like a charity stream. We can get a charity stream rolling and get the, the, 
the the pinnacle entertainment folks over to valor and get it going there's there's a lot of different avenues we can take to try and connect those and mm -hmm. you are part of the valor family there ryan Ooh. so uh, you are just as much a part of this whole mechanism as we are. So if you want to get this rolling, dude, well, we had to have a conversation. Yeah, Shane games are always, uh, at least in my experience, they're they're fantastic. I I was afraid that I'd be forever spoiled on Savage Worlds because the first time I played it uh, was Shane running it at a convention, and oh, wow. that was an experience. Uh, he was he was running Deadlands Reloaded. Uh, for, I, I guess at that point that was the 2.0 version of uh, Savage Worlds, but uh, it, it was Demon Pigs of Cotchess County was the the adventure that we ran, and it was uh, it was a ton of fun, a ton of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I'd love it, especially I having Cheyenne there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, can you imagine having Cheyenne, Shane, like all that group just chilling, mm -hmm. playing dice, you know, maybe, that would be awesome. maybe yeah. Cheyenne's, maybe Cheyenne's GMing and he's building a nice one shot for us because we always have the holiday one shots yep. that Cheyenne does and they're always a lot of fun and a lot of art, a lot of VTT maps going on. Mm -hmm. So the future is, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had Shane on the show twice, so, um, at some point, maybe I, I could, I, and I know Cheyenne could, but definitely, I, I, I. <laughs> once we get the things going, I, I could foresee reaching out to Shane and being like, "Hey, can can we work something out here?" You know that thing that Cheyenne talks to you about those those Valor Studio dudes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's get you to run That'd a game over here. It'd be, be awesome. A ton of fun. So guys, uh, you know we're we're running out of time here. This has been great talking with you guys and, and hearing a little bit about kind of the history of Valor Studios. Uh, you know some exciting things coming up. Obviously, uh, like you said, Deadlands Hellgate trilogy starts September the first, seven thirty p.m. Central Time. I'll be there. They'll be there. Cheyenne's or GM. Todd in the chat here. He'll be there. Bizarre hands and uh, that Candace girl. She will be on as well. Uh, so it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm super excited to introduce you guys to uh, Clayton R. McTaggart, the gunslinger. Uh, Skagwater RPG is here. <laughs> so, guys, uh, you know, anything that you have uh, coming up or anything that you want to plug, we already talked about kind of what's coming up but anything else you want to plug any uh links you want to direct people to social media all that uh the floor is yours tell everyone uh you know what's coming up or, or where uh, you, where they can be connected if you're interested in checking out um you can go to youtube and look up richie knows vent uh they're an awesome group that uh tony and i have uh, gotten to know a bit of and uh, i've had the pleasure of working with here and there and uh, amazing people. They're trying to destigmatize mental health and really just uh, connect gamers together. And they have a show that's all about like venting and, and talking with, you know, health experts and all that kind of stuff. So check them out. Super awesome group of people. Uh, amazing at uh, at you know communication and just you know having these deep conversations. Uh, it's very very interesting. And they have all their episodes up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I would say I don't want to 
I don't have anything to pitch other than go to my Twitter, Dice Barbarian, Dice Barbarian RP for Facebook if you want to follow me on my page. Um, I probably should take social media more more seriously than I do, but I just don't. But please do follow me. We talk. Whatever. Hit me up. Anyways, aside from that, uh, I would. the only thing I'm going to pitch is uh, understand that, like, all of us are going through something. And... We as the global TTRPG community are just that. We are all stewards of this TTRPG global community. And if one of your players is not 100% or one of your co-players is not 100% or somebody's not as communicative as normal, if somebody's just going through something, you know, before you come down on people, before you strike out at people, before you go out of your way to talk stuff on them and social media uh you know maybe you need to be less of a mouth and more of an ear and be a member of a community not just you know make sure you're a member of a community and and i think that we all need to take a little bit more ownership of that stewardship as community members with each other especially nowadays pandemic everything um, so remember, it, it, we are all one community trying, just playing games and having fun and, and keep it like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to everything we've got coming up. Uh, again, next week, not only will we be doing, uh, Deadlands Hellgate Trilogy starting on September 1st, uh, but next Monday we'll be doing session number two of Night Haven Shades of Grey. Uh, so Prax and Rez and John and Joe Page will be back on, and we'll be back into the world of Nighthaven to see what's going on there. And uh, check out Pug's Grotto, the uh, literal underground fight club that I teased in the last episode. Um, also, one thing I wanted to push you guys towards, I recorded this thing over a year ago, uh, but Season 2 of the Star Trek Tribunal, hosted by uh, Sean Andrews, my good friend, uh it is out now. My episode talking about Deep Space Nine, uh, the episode uh, Resurrection from Deep Space Nine is out. Uh, so if you uh, you know look up the, the Star Trek Tribunal on your favorite podcatcher, you'll find it. Uh, just Sean and I talking about uh, one of the uh, lesser episodes of DS9, as we love to do on the, uh, the Star Trek Tribunal. Uh, so that is all coming up. I'll be reviewing Rocket to Russia by John Page in the next... Or not John Page, John McGuire <laughs> in the next couple weeks. And uh, Levi Combs has expressed interest in coming back on, so he'll be back sometime soon. Lots of great things coming up for Rolling Bones. So until then, uh, as I like to say when we have savages on the show, whether your dice explode or you snake eyes... I'm so glad that you guys uh, rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and we'll see you next week.